Philippians chapter number four. If you're able to, let's stand tonight for the reading of the Word of God. Philippians chapter number four. We continue our Sunday night series on finding joy in the journey. And I hope that uh, this is something that's just resonating with you about having joy in the Christian life. A couple uh, quick things about some of the announcements. Uh, if you're a teen or a teen parent, uh, if you can, meet here at the church at 5 is what we're asking. And then Brother Kenny and Miss Becky will bring the teens over to our house. It's just easier to do it that way. So if you can meet here at 5, and we're looking forward to a great time with the teenagers over there at our house and having them over. And then uh, if you look at that slide, I don't know if you ever pay attention, but he's, we've been announcing a men's quartet, and there were six guys on that slide. And so uh, the reason there's six guys on that slide is because one is a piano player and one runs the sound equipment. So it's a men's quartet and a piano player. And uh, actually, they have a couple that are the leaders of the group that are baby, uh, traveling with these guys, babysitting and whatever else they need to do. But I think, I think it'll be a great, great time. And uh, I hope you're able to come out and enjoy it. If you can't come for the meal, then come for the singing. But I think it's going to be a, a great time on Saturday. Don't forget now, no Wednesday night service, as Brother Chris said. If you come on Wednesday night, just, just have your own little service right here at the church outside. So I'm glad to see most of you made it home and uh, you didn't get washed home after the service. Boy, that was a rain, wasn't it? And uh, there was a lightning strike. Some of us were still here. I, I think it must have hit like within feet of the church. It was so loud. But uh, I'm glad that everybody safely made it, and uh, we've had some rain these last couple days. But uh, here we are tonight, Philippians chapter number 4, and our, our text tonight is verses 2 and 3. But uh, for sake of getting back into our context tonight, let's read verses 1, 2, and 3 tonight, all right? The Bible says, Therefore, my, uh, my, dearly, uh, my brethren dearly beloved and longed for my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and Santiki, beseech Santiki, those women are mentioned here, that they would be of the same mind to the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel with uh, Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of what? Life. The book of life. And so interesting couple verses here. Now you have to remember, we're, we're basically just going line upon line, verse upon verse, and we're just going through the book of Philippians. And so we're not going to skip anything tonight. And this is actually a, kind of a unique little passage here. I've entitled it tonight, Church Business, and, and I think if you have been saved for any length of time, you understand that a church, from time to time, just has to kind of take care of some things, and some things are joyful to take care of, and some things are a little bit more of a challenge, but nonetheless, this is God's work. We want to make sure we're doing things God's way, and so from really, from the Lord tonight, through the Apostle Paul, and of course, as me, as your pastor, I want to share a couple verses tonight, kind of an interesting context. And so let's pray and we'll be seated and get started tonight. Lord, thank you for this day. Uh, I love America. Lord, I thank you for this land. Pray that you would bless as we have focused on what we need more than anything is you, Lord. 
tonight as we think about the message. Lord, I think about the church that you love so much that you gave your son for it. And we're, we are thrilled to be a part of the church of the living God. Now, bless tonight, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to glean what you would have for us from these verses. Lord, may we take it and use it that our church would be pleasing in your sight. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing tonight. Now, again, if you look at verse number one, we last week talked about how that the Apostle Paul talks about these people in Philippi, that many of those folks, like in other places, Ephesus, Rome, that Paul was responsible, God using him, that he had spiritual fruit in many places. Uh, Philippi was one of those places and that he loved these people. He loved spending time with these people because they were very dear to him because God had used him to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He mentions twice in verse 1, they were his dearly beloved. They had a special place, and we talked about how that these folks were his joy and they were his crown. He looked forward to spending time together. And, you know, I look, you know, even I told Brother Kenny, I said, let's have the teens over on Saturday or Friday. And I said, uh, Brother Kenny said, you sure you want to do that? I said, yeah. I said, I'd love to have the teens. want to have everyone over to our house. I'd love spending time with God's people. I'd love to get around the saints of God. And, and I think it's, it's funny sometimes whenever the service is over, how about 30, 40, 50 minutes later, people are still standing around fellowshipping, enjoying one another. That's the way church ought to be. Hey, listen, I worry about a church that everybody runs out the doors as soon as church is over with. And uh, we ought to spend time and get to know one another and, and enjoy one another's company. And that's what Paul looked forward to when he got together with those in Philippi was how dear they were to him. But then when he gets to verses 2 and 3, it's interesting, look at the word he uses here, I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, Paul had expressed his love for these people. Paul had really shown and shared his affection, but interesting that once he got beyond that greeting and beyond how much he loved them, he then moves to where he has to kind of pull over and kind of deal with some church matters. He begins to offer to this group of believers some admonition, but then he also, being a leader, he begins to give some stern exhortation. Now, I know that it's not popular sometimes to share some things that are difficult. I've had to do that many times. And by the way, I've been on the receiving end of that many times in my own life. And, and I find that although it may difficult, be difficult, it is something that is necessary in order to keep unity in the church of the living God. It, it's easy sometimes uh, to, to, to just sit around and pal around and have a good time I find it's difficult and tough at times to sit down with those that you love so much and have to say certain things to them. Now, I've always tried to practice and 
I wasn't very good early on in my Christian life. Hopefully, I've gotten a little bit better with the way that I deal with things. You say, Pastor, what are you getting at? What do you need to deal with tonight? I'm not dealing with anything. I'm just preaching the Bible tonight, all right? But, but here's the thing is, is that sometimes as a pastor, you know, I'd like to always have something nice and bubbly to say. Uh, I wish things were always going great. And by the way, God's given us a tremendous spirit in our church, and I'm thankful for that. It's been that way since we've been here. Truth is, it was that way when we came here. And I hope it stays that way until the Lord comes back. But anytime you have people, you're going to have problems. Uh, we're not always going to agree. There's, there may be times where we might differ. We went to a ball game yesterday. Some people rooted for one team. Some people rooted for the other team. You know, everybody has their likes and dislikes. You know, I found a lot of times that uh, Christians are funny people because we go around shooting each other. We, we tend to argue over the stupidest things. And sometimes I hear two Christians carrying on about something almost to where they're about to part ways. And I'm thinking to myself, if they only realized how, how minor and how trivial the, the, the thing that they're talking about, it really isn't going to matter in eternity. And sometimes we allow things to come between us. And when you look at this passage, I mean... Paul, again, has expressed his love for these people, the joy that he has for them, yet we find here that because he loved them, and this is what I love about Paul, it's the way I want to be, because he loved them, Paul was about to become very truthful with them. Uh, Paul was, was going to share some things, and I think that's always the best policy, is to be truthful with people. Now, here's the key. To share the truth in love. I've seen a lot of people just, they just bark it out. They just kind of say it like it is. They just let it roll off their tongue. But I hope you remember from last week if you were here or you look at verse number one, you can easily tell that this is coming from a man of God who loves them dearly. And because he loves them, he needs to tell them the truth. Now, as we look at the text tonight, a verse that came to my mind back over in Zechariah chapter 8. Look at this verse. These are the things that ye should, shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. I think we should always be truthful. Listen, that ought to be one of the, the characteristics of any Christian is that he or she is a truthful person. And we need to be that way. And Paul loved these folks. And so in two verses tonight, Paul is about to give these Christians, these believers, the church at Philippi, he's about to give them three admonitions in two short verses. Look at the first one tonight. He gives them a solemn warning, a solemn warning. Look again at verse number two. The Bible says, I beseech thee, Euodius, and beseech Santiki, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. <clears throat> and we see here tonight, as he is addressing and he is giving this warning, he uses the word, notice twice, the word beseech. It's not a word we use today. 
But we need to be familiar with it because we find it in the Word of God. It means to admonish someone, to beg them, or to entreat them. So what is Paul saying to these dear folks and these two individuals in particular? Notice he was giving them a personal warning. Paul was directly admonishing these two people, Eodius and Santiki. How would you like a name like that? Eodius and Santiki. <laughs> but nonetheless, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, names them. And a lot of times we see people in the Bible whose names are not mentioned. Now you study it out, you find here that Paul's using this verb beseech twice. The reason, again, is for an emphasis. He's trying to get their attention. He's trying to get, and if you studied out, these two names were two women. Two women in the church. And he's trying to get their attention. I know that uh, you find in the Word of God, sometimes God will say something not once. He'll say something twice. Sometimes he'll say it three times. And the reason he's doing this is because he's, Paul's not looking for pushing blame or who is to be blamed. He is addressing these two women because they're there together and he wants them to take notice of what he is about to tell them. Now, we can kind of gather together from uh, what Paul is saying, the tone that he is using. Uh, we don't know a lot about these two women, but there are some things, not only from what Paul said, but even some things that maybe Paul didn't say that we can gather about why is, why is he addressing. And remember, this isn't God's words, these are Paul's words. So here's a couple thoughts tonight is, we know because of the context here that these are church members. They're not someone from the outside that's basically trying to cause trouble. They're members of the church, and so Paul understands these are members of the church. He's not saying they're troublemakers, but there was something there. The one thing also that we do know is that whatever the, the problem was with Iodius and Santiki, that it was not a doctrinal problem. Now you understand that as, as things come into a church, and it happens sometimes, that people will bring in some doctrinal error into a church, maybe something they learned, something that uh, they have had for years. You say, Pastor, how do you know that it's a doctrinal error? Because whatever it is, you line it up with the Word of God, and if it does not line up with God's Word, then it's doctrinal error. And, and again, we find that this happens sometimes in churches, but if this was something that was a doctrinal error, then Paul would have dealt with that doctrinal error just like he's done in other places, but he doesn't do that. Now, the other thing I see is that because he does mention them by name, that maybe these two women had been very influential in that church, in that body of believers. It's evident that because of what was going on, that because of maybe a disagreement, that there was disharmony that was being caused by these uh, two ladies in the church. And so Paul loved them. So what was he doing? He was sharing with them a personal warning. He was warning them. Look at Philippians back in chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, Nevertheless, where, uh, where to we have already attained, let us walk, look at the words now, by the what? By the same rule, let us mind what? The same thing. 
Now you say, what is the rule that we should mind? What do we be walking by? There it is right there. See, God's word is our rule. Uh, we, we, a lot of times people say, well, uh, you know, I don't really understand exactly uh, what we should believe about this. Then let's search the scriptures. Uh, from time to time, somebody will ask me a question and, and you know, I, I try my best when I give an answer, I try to go to the Word of God and I try to share, this is what the Bible says. Uh, we had a conversation this afternoon over lunch about just some things about other religious systems and about what they have taught over the years. And that was my comment was that, that as a child growing up, I was taught many of those things. But as I got older, I began to question those things because I didn't see those in the Word of God. There was no validation in the Word of God on those things that I had been being taught. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We must always, always search the Scriptures to see whether those things were so. That's where we need to be. Uh, if we're wise, always go to the Bible and say, Lord, what does the Word of God have to say about this? It's very important that we do this. And this is what Paul was allowing to rule his life. The mind that Paul had on this matter, folks, listen, as a man of God, he was getting it from the Word of God. It, look, it, it doesn't matter what I want as a pastor for this church. The only thing that matters is what does the Lord want? And we see here a very personal warning that he gives it was a solemn warning but notice not only was it a personal warning it was a pointed warning because when you look back in verse number two he says that they would be of the same mind in the lord uh, he wanted them to have a mind of unity to be together folks listen we ought to always understand that god's work is not going to go forward if we're divided We've got to be united. That's the reason that America's in the shape that it's in, because we are really no longer the United States of America. I get so aggravated, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, about Republicans and Democrats. I get so aggravated. Why can't you just set aside and understand what is best for our country for our nation, but instead it's all about being a Democrat and it's all about being a Republican. And I'm going to tell you something, that is pathetic whenever they cannot come together and say, God, what would you have for this land that we live in? And, and the thing that aggravates me so much is we're paying their salaries. We're the ones that they wouldn't be where they are today without the people, but they have forgotten that. They have forgotten about God, and I'll leave that alone. That's my own little soapbox tonight. But here's the thing is, is that Paul says, look, there's got to be a spirit of unity. If we're going to see God bless, as we talked about this morning, there has to be a togetherness. Back in chapter 2, look what Paul wrote. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be, here it is again, like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind one accord and of one mind you know what that means they had to set aside their own little petty things they had to say what is important to the lord the word that he uses not only here but in other places the word mind here's what it means to have understanding 
to be wise, to be modest, not to let one's opinion of himself to exceed the bounds of modesty. See, divisions. It, by the way, you know who, who loves to see divisions in the church? The devil does. He loves to see a, a, a church divided, a family divided, a nation divided. Division comes when one or more persons think too highly of themselves. That's when divisions come. Instead of a spirit of unity, it's like Lucy, she said to Charlie Brown, are you discouraged again, Charlie Brown? She said, you know what your trouble is, Charlie Brown? The whole trouble with you is that you are you. Charlie said, well, what in the world can I do about that, Lucy? And she replied, I don't pretend to be able to give advice. I merely just point out the trouble. But that's the way we are, is we are a people that are troubled because our mind is not fixed on the Lord. Paul uses this word, mind, several times. Look back in chapter 2 and verse 5 there in your notes. He says here, let this mind, great passage, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, I can't think of a better thing than for us to have the mind of the Lord. Let's seek God's mind on this. Lord, what would you have? What would you want for our church? Lord, what do you want for our nation? What do you want for my family? Paul was admonishing them and encouraging them and even warning them. And he was doing it saying, look, you need to be of the same mind and that spirit needs to be a spirit of unity. And he says that he wanted them to live a life of unity. Look what Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 he says, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about a testimony in the world. He's talking about that the church needs to be a gospel preaching station, a lighthouse. Uh, you know, we, we think a lot of times we were out uh, on Saturday and we were uh, knocking on doors and, and, and we were praying because we went into an area that, that had signs everywhere that said, do not uh, knock doors or uh, no soliciting, I think is what it said. And, and we got ready and got out of the van. There was a group of guys. And I said, listen, just remember that if anybody asks you, you just tell them that the pastor said it was okay and he's wearing a red shirt. Brother Kenny was wearing a red shirt. <laughs> we, went in that, we went into that area there and and, and we started to, we got out and I told the guys, I said, now look, let me help you with this. We normally don't do this. We usually don't ever go in there. But Brother Mike and I, we honestly, honestly, you can ask Brother Mike, he's more honest than I am. We, we went into this the week before. We did not know until we were already in there for, I bet, probably half an hour, maybe longer. We didn't know it was a do not knock area. 
you know, the soul winning director sent us there. And so we just followed his directions. And so we got over there and we were knocking doors. And so I told the guys when we went there yesterday, I said, now look, when we get there, I said, if you see a unit that says office, don't knock that door. I said, because you knock that door and we're out of here. They're going to tell us to vamoose, you know. And so, and so everybody's like, okay, we get out of the van, Brother Mike and I, we, I said, we'll go back where we started, uh, ended off last week, the rest of you go around this way. So we get out, we come walk around the corner, and the very first unit that I walked up to said, office. I didn't knock it, but I went right across from it, and I knocked the doors that were right next to the big picture window in the office. And I, Brother Mike, as I was walking up there, I turned around, Brother Mike was gone. He was gone. He thought, listen, if you're going to get thrown in jail, I'm not going with you, Pastor. I wasn't worried. I was just going to tell him that the pastor told me I could come in there. I didn't have to worry about it. Do you know that we got in there and we knocked, what was it, Brother Chris? hundred and, how many? 220 doors. And nobody stopped us. Nobody ran us out of there. We had quite a few folks we talked to about the Lord. But you know, every one of us had the same mind. We were all together. We wanted to see God working in people's lives. And, and listen, we need to see how important it is that we're a testimony, that we get along. And that's what Paul was addressing here, that, that look, when God's people don't get along, it sends, listen, this is what hurts. It sends a disharmony throughout the entire church. Remember what the Bible calls the church? It calls it many things, but one of the things it calls the church is the body. And we all understand that the average body has a head, has, a, has the main part of the body, has two arms, two legs, two hands, two feet, ten fingers, ten toes. You understand the body that every part of the body, and when one part of the body hurts, no matter how small it is, it's going to it's going to affect the rest of the body. You ever stubbed your finger? You ever got something under your nail? I mean, listen, folks, when there's something that's not right between you and someone else in this body, it's going to cause a disagreement, a disunity, and you have to know that it's going to interrupt the forward progress of the church of God. We've got to see that. Paul was trying to help them understand that. A great verse that I've tried to live by and I've tried to help other people that get so aggravated and bent out of shape is Psalm 119, verse 165. Now, don't look at the verse if you're going to get mad at me because the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law. And what should offend them? Nothing. Nothing. Now, the, the word law there is making reference to the word of God. You know what that means? That there shouldn't be anything. There should not be anything that offends you. Well, you don't understand what that brother did to me. What that sister said about me. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, nothing shall offend. See, Paul's giving a solemn warning here, and a lot of churches, 
have been destroyed by strife among its members. And may God help us to always be a church that is in unity together, that is working together to see God do a great work here. See, Paul shares a solemn warning, but then he tells them, secondly, about a, that, that it's a serious work. It's a serious work. He, t- he talks about it being a laboring work, that the work that Paul was involved in that you and I need to understand, it's a genuine work. Whether we're talking about junior camp, whether we're talking about vacation Bible school, whether we're talking about Sunday school, whether we're talking about a midweek service or a, a, a fish fry, whatever it is, it's a genuine work, but it requires laboring. And he uses a word here, that it's only used right here in the book of Philippians in chapter 4, Paul calls these Philippians true yoke fellows. Now, Paul must have been a southerner. Yoke fellows, you know? Interesting word there. It means to be yoked together, to, to be working together. It's, a, it's really a word picture of a team of oxen. Listen now, a team of oxen that have been harnessed together to pull the load together, to do the work together. What a great picture tonight. Now, you might say, Pastor, I I don't want to think of myself as an ox, all right? Well, according to the Word of God, we are to work together. And what are we to do? We're, We're to work together to care for people, to see souls saved. Had one lady this morning that came at at the invitation. She raised her hand. She stepped out on her own. I talked to her after the service. Mrs. Flynn dealt with her. And, and I asked her, I said, did you settle that? And it sounds like she's been struggling with some things. And, and listen, we need to understand how important it is that we're doing the work of God. That's why in chapter 1, Paul wrote, only let your conversation, your lifestyle be as it becometh. Look at this, the gospel of Christ. What's important? The gospel of Christ, that people are hearing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says, whether I come and see you or else be absent, that I may hear. I'm hearing about what you're doing, your affairs. And watch what he says. Look at it. That you stand fast, here it is again, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together. There's the picture again. Striving together for the faith of what? The faith of the gospel. Folks, we're here to get the gospel out. We're here to help people understand how important it is that they know Christ as their Savior, that He's the answer. Well, listen, that's not going to happen when there is some kind of disagreement among members of the church. My pastor said all the time, teamwork is what makes the dream work. We've got to be working together. It was Paul was saying, look, it's a laboring work, but then notice a word he uses. Secondly, it can be a lifting work. Now, the word he uses is the word help. Look back at chapter 4 in verse verse number 3. He says, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Now, the word help means to, to take a hold together with one, to assist them, to help them, to succor them. And we understand here, he's saying, look, we need to lift one another up. Anybody else in here besides me ever needed someone's help? You know, I know I have. Anybody in here ever made a mistake in their life after they got saved? We all do, right? 
I mean, there's many times where we foul up, we do things we shouldn't do. Do you know that the true work of the ministry is restoration? But I know a lot of churches, let me, let me back up, I know a lot of Baptist churches, that if someone makes a mistake, somebody fouls up, you know what they want to do? Kick them out of the church. Folks, that's just not Bible. I don't find that in the Word of God. But you know what I do find? Look at Galatians 6, 1 in your notes. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are, what's the word? What's the word? Yeah, that's the key right there. How are you going to help someone if you're not walking with the Lord? If you don't have the mind of Christ? You see, there are going to be people that are going to do things. And he says, look, it's not only a laboring work. The ministry is a lifting work. There's going to be people that need our help. Say, what kind of people? People out in the community? Sure. But do you know there's going to be people right here in this church that are going to need our help? And he, he says here, ye which over are taken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such and one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I mean, folks, listen. It's by the grace of God that it's them and not us. It could be us. And the Bible says that when something happens, you know what we need to do? Wrap our arms around that brother or sister. Say, listen, God loves you. We love you. Don't let this keep you from staying in fellowship with the Lord. We need to be striving together, trying to lift one another up. Whatever this dispute was, and the Bible doesn't really tell us, but you kind of get the idea here by the way Paul's writing that it hadn't been resolved. And so Paul was asking these true yoke fellow, these people that had the same heart there, to help these women to resolve this. Now, why was he doing that? Because the work of God is precious. Hey, folks, I'm going to tell you something. This church, the work of God, it's precious. Every time I come here, every time I, I have an opportunity to meet together with the people of God, I think about the work of God. I saw Brother Flynn get out of his car with his wife this morning, and I watched him. I just stood there. They didn't know I was watching him. Miss Flynn's kind of standing there like, come on, Bill, hurry up. You know, no, she wasn't. And I, Brother Flynn, he's a big Patriots fan. And he got out of his car, and I was standing there. I don't know why I thought of it. I saw him get his Bible. I saw him fix his jacket. He had his little walker, you know. He come up the sidewalk. They came up to the door, and greeted me, gave me a hug. And I said to Brother Flynn, I said, you know, Tom Brady... He gets ready for Sunday football or Thursday or Monday, whatever day they're playing. But he only plays, what, 16 games a year. I said, think about how many Sundays. And you know what Sunday is for the Christian? That's game day. I said, think about how many Sundays that you've got ready to meet God. It's been quite a few, Brother Flynn. 
A lot more than Tom Brady. Can I tell you, God doesn't care anything about football. But you know what he does care about? People in his church being together, having unity. See, he's talking about helping one another. And the word he uses, look, not only the word help, but he uses the word labored. Now, this, this word here, labored, is the exact same word that it, words that he uses in chapter 1 and verse 27, striving together. That's how it's translated. See, Paul was saying, look, you have to understand that the ministry wasn't some job, that they were laboring together, working together in the gospel. Do you know what vacation Bible school is going to be? It's not going to be chaos. It's not going to be pandemonium. It's going to be God's people working together in the gospel, sharing the truth with these boys and girls. Hey, hey, listen, if it's like any other year, we've had many years where many of the parents of these children come with their children and sit in the auditorium and listen to the messages. Now, I have never seen any of them get saved, but I'll tell you this, they're hearing the gospel when they're sitting in those chairs. And that's what Paul's saying here is that we're in the business of sharing the gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul gives it, look, he says, I love you and I, I want what's best for you. You're my joy, my crown, but I need to warn you because there's something going on here and I've got to help you understand that it's a serious work, the work of God, and, and, and we need to help one another and lift one another up and he, fought, he finishes by giving them and talking to them about a select writing. In verse number 3 of chapter 4, he says in the end of that verse, he says also with Clement and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. See, he talks about a specific name here. How that I think it's a wonderful thing when you study the Word of God that God knows all of our names. There was a guy sitting right over here, and I, I do this quite often because I'm not real good with people's names. I learn names by association. You don't want to ask me how I remember your name because there's quite a few funny little things sometimes if I cannot remember someone's name. But I was walking over, right about where Tyler's sitting tonight, there was a young man sitting there. I don't know if anybody noticed him, but I was walking down the aisle, and I walked over, and just right then at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God said, his name is William. And I said, I stuck my hand out and I go, hey, William. And he goes, you got a good memory. And I almost started laughing because I don't. There was a lady that sat back here. I don't know if anybody met her this morning. She's sitting back here with Brother Osvaldo sitting right now. She was in, by the door this morning. And I said, how are you doing? I said, is this your first time? She said, yes, it is. She said, actually, I was here one time before. And I said, what's your name? She said, Maria. And I said, when were you here last? And she says, well, it was when the previous pastor was here. She says, matter of fact, it was right when he passed away. And I said, wow. I said, that was almost four years ago. And I said, uh, is, there, is there something I can help you with? Because, you know, she hasn't been back. And I said, something I she says, well, I've been, I've been church shopping. But be honest with you, she says, I'm, I'm getting tired of shopping. She said, I got up this morning and the Lord said, I want you to go to Bible Baptist Church today. And she came and I was, I was talking to her and I said, now you said your name was Maria? 
And she said, yeah. And I said, now listen, I just want to help you with something. I said, there's a couple Marias here. And I said, from time to time, I yell at them. I said, so if you hear somebody yelling at Maria, it's not you. I said, we like you. We don't know about the other Maria here at the church, you know, and she's laughing, you know. I did tell your wife that story. But, you know, she, she came and she sat back there. And you know what I was up, as I was, as I was up here this morning, I was thinking to myself, I hope somebody's talked to her. I hope somebody gave her a, a warm greeting, a right hand of fellowship. Glad you're here. That's the way we ought to be. But look, people come and, and they should feel comfortable. And I, I'm going to tell you something. I think it's a great thing when people do come. But you know what, what thrills my soul even more than that is that if we're saved, God knows our name. God knows your name. Look at the Bible says in Isaiah 43 and verse 1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. God knows the names of all his children. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll call one of my children and I'll, I'll say the wrong name, and they'll just look at me, Dad, I'm not so-and-so, I'm, I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, I knew that, you know. I, sometimes I mix up names, you know, and, and, and I get things wrong. But can I tell you that tonight, understand from the Word of God, God knows all of us by name. He knows each one of us better than we know ourselves. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 139. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. God knows us better than we even know ourselves. And God knows everything about us, and that's, that's what Paul's getting at here. He mentions the person Clement. This is a man that he mentions here. And, and there were others, these, these uh, fellow laborers, as he calls them, that are, that are books, uh, names that are mentioned here in the book of Philippians. But listen, as important as their name is mentioned in the book of Philippians, it's not near as important as their names are recorded in the book of life. I hope tonight your name's recorded there. I hope that you know Christ as your Savior. That's the most important decision that you can ever make. And he talks about specific name, but he gives a specific notice here. The record that he's writing about, he calls it the book of life. The book of life is, is a book, God's book, that contains the names of all those that will live in heaven with God for all of eternity. It's a record, it's a roll call of all the saved. It's also in the Word of God called the Lamb's Book of Life. Why is it called that? Because it refers to all those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Listen, there is nothing that matters more in our lives than our name is recorded in that book. It's God's book. It's the only book that matters. Now, I'll tell you, when you study the Scriptures, you find that there are some names that are not written in that book. Look what the Bible says in Revelation 13, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 17, 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. 
and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. You see, there are some folks whose names are not written in that book, but look at, there are some names that are there. The saved, the Bible says in Revelation 20, 12, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And so why is all this important? Why is it important that a name is there or a name is not there? Well, the Bible tells us in Revelation 20 that whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, interesting how Paul addresses some of these things. He deals with a warning here. He tells them how the work of God is serious or whatever it is. Listen, can I tell you tonight that it's not worth it for the work of God to cease, for there to be a bump in the road. The work of God is too great for those of us that are laboring together in it to waste time or energy over personal disagreements, personal arguments. Look, when friction arises, we should seek the mind of Christ and we should want to live in unity with brothers and sisters in Christ. I love Romans 12, verse 18. Look at this verse. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably. What's the rest of the verse? With all men. There shouldn't be anything between any of us tonight. Paul's saying, look, there's just something that I, I need to kind of pull over here. I love you. And that because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Whatever this is, let's take care of it. And he's calling on his yoke fellow. Those that have a, the same mind. He says, uh, we need to help those and we need to work together as we work our way towards our eternal reward. He says, listen, this is church business. And tonight, that's exactly what we are. We're a church. And I pray that there is nothing. To my knowledge, there isn't. But if there is anything tonight between you and another brother or sister in Christ, let's just set it aside. Let's say, listen, let's let God have his way. Let's be a church that is together, striving together for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads tonight. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the sweet, sweet spirit in this place. To my knowledge, as, as the under-shepherd, the pastor of this church, I'm not aware of anything, but Lord, there may be something. There may be something in someone's heart tonight. And God, I pray that if there is, that tonight, that that would be settled, that we would take care of that. Uh, this, these two ladies, Yodius and Sentiki, Lord, we don't know much about them. We just know that whatever was going on between them, that it was affecting the body. It was influencing and causing a disagreement. And Lord, I pray that we would never let something so petty that it would come between us and one another as a brother and sister. Lord, bless this church. Help us to have the right spirit that if there is 
a problem that we would always deal with it the way you deal with us. That we would deal with it in love and in truth. Great lessons for us to learn tonight. Bless this time of invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.